C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hi campers, uh, this is the resident youth, Maddie Yergi, coming at you And I am here with Vivica Chow Hi Thank you for being here Thanks for having me Thanks, so I will let you kind of introduce yourself um, but right now, kind of to give our listeners background, you graduated from Point Park University, mm-hmm. and right now you're in Miss Saigon on Broadway. Yes, I am. Yeah. So I grew up in Hong Kong. I was uh, born and raised in Hong Kong. So I came to the States, I want to say in 2012, when I first uh, started uh, Point Park. Um, but before that, I was in Hong Kong, and I went to a British private school, Island School, and that's where I learned English. Um, so I speak three languages. Uh, I speak Very English cool. and Cantonese fluently, and Mandarin's, like, I would say proficient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've been doing musical theater ever since, like, I was a little girl, and I just knew that I wanted to pursue that as my career. And, uh, you know, I was at the right place at the right time, and I landed an audition last last year oh my gosh last year in July um and I went in for the show and after a few callbacks I booked the job in August so uh, I moved to New York in September amazing yeah and here I am that's so awesome so we'll get into more of your background later on but just to start um our millennial moments of the week so mine is I guess it doesn't really pertain quite so much to my life, but Mm -hmm. I thought it would be interesting to talk about it with you because we graduated around the same time. Mm -hmm. So we've been kind of adults out in the world for the same amount of time. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from listeners and people writing me in saying, asking us to talk about post-grad life in relation to college and how it's different or similar. And so I'm interested in hearing about your... um, experience moving to New York. I've been in New York for a while because I went to school here and I never left. Um, But even now, like, I've talked a little bit about it on the podcast, like I'm looking for a new job and Mm -hmm. going through an interview process and things like that. And for me, the hardest thing about post-grad life is just being unstructured. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in your line of work, too, it's like, yeah, you just never know. You the never uncertainty know. is like that's a theme. You mm-hmm. know, that's a writing theme and it's just so scary. And now like I'm we're actual adults, so I'm paying my own rent. Um, uh, and you know, I actually had a problem with my credit card the other day which like kind of freaked me out, but I guess yeah. it's part of like the millennial thing where it's like we're in we're in the um phase of our lives where we're growing up and you know learning to be even more independent. Um but I, so I've never had a credit card before. Like I used debit card. Yeah. I used a debit card when mm-hmm. I was in um, Point Park, and I also right. had uh, my dad's credit card. So you know, I would use. Yeah, it for I had. A, I had the same situation. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I finally applied for my first Capital One bank credit card, and I was really excited yeah, about it. That's awesome. Um, and then I enrolled in auto pay because I'm lazy, but hardworking, but lazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no one wants, you know, you don't you, have to wait I, for a letter in the mail. Exactly, or exactly. Or just like you, sometimes you forget because I feel mm-hmm. like as people, we forget all the right. time with like this high stress 
city. Absolutely. Um, and my auto pay didn't go through because I, I entered my bank account number wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Those were problems. Yeah. But anyway, so it's just like the so struggle of like with. of like keeping track of everything in like an organized manner is like with to do with like your bills, your rent, yeah. your whatever, you know, just to like not be right. in a place of like and we're trying to build our credit, you know, yeah. as you know. Yeah, that's the only way you can do it really as a young person is to get a credit card and then yeah, pay it so. off every month. Exactly. It's crazy. And to your point too, like I see all these articles and I'm sure you've seen them like on Facebook and stuff that they're like millennials aren't buying diamonds and they're not buying houses as much as their parents or whatever. And everything is so I'm expensive. Like, you know, like <laughs> yes, everything is so expensive and there's a lot of statistics that Millennials spend three times as much on their either rent or mortgage compared to our grandparents as a percentage of income. Totally. I believe that. Absolutely. And, you know, like we're we're pretty high functioning. We both have jobs. It's not like, you know, we're, you know, scrapping it together, like trying to get by like a lot of people are. And we're I'm still, you know, speaking for myself, like I'm still like, no, if I wanted to like treat myself And I, you know, for some reason, like, booked a really great gig or, like, got a really nice job or something, Mm -hmm. like, I wouldn't even think about buying myself something, like, super nice, like a diamond. I would, like, pay off debt or, you know, be like, maybe I can move to, like, a slightly bigger apartment Mm -hmm. in New York. Like, those are the types of things that I think about, not these, like, big ticket items. It's just a different generation Mm -hmm. now, I think. I mean, because I recently moved into a studio apartment on the Upper West Side, and before that, I was in a two-bedroom. And moving to a studio has just been, like, one of my goals um, as a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I was, like, looking for studios, like, everything... Everything was just very expensive, yeah. and I have friends who are living in, like, one bedrooms for, like, I want to say, like, 1500 and wow. that's just uncalled for, you yeah. know, and, and it's just, like, but it's because they moved to the city, like, so, like, long ago, maybe 10, right. 15 years ago, but everything since then has racked up, like, yeah. crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. New York is a hard place. New York, I mean, especially New York. Yeah. It's expensive, so budgeting is very yeah. important. I'm sure compared to... Pittsburgh, which is where you went to school. Exactly. Like, Pittsburgh was, I mean, when you're in New York, like, rent is expensive. Uh, food is everywhere. You just want to eat out all the time. Right. That's another problem. Mm-hmm. I have tr- trouble And it's cooking. hard to cook, yeah, if your kitchen's small. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, when I have, like, two shows, I want to, like, meal prep. But yeah. I can't go home in between right. shows to do that. Yeah. And which means I would have to meal prep the night before but then the night before I get home at like 11 30 right. and I'm like I'm so tired it's so hard and I feel yeah. especially in a creative profession where you're kind of working you're not working a traditional nine to five and like things aren't totally. open the same hours like mm-hmm. it's crazy I have a lot of friends that do like stand-up comedy and stuff like that and it's like they're like working day jobs and then doing shows until 11 and they're like when am I supposed to like go to the grocery store yeah right there's there's no time no (laughs) and I feel like that I have no scientific data to like back this thing up but I'm like I feel like when I don't know if it's because I grew up in the midwest so I'm used to that it's a little bit slower pace of life but I feel like no one was working the amount of hours even not getting as much benefit I think that's Mm -hmm. definitely a millennial thing um not getting sleep yeah just trying to do everything so stressful um 
But we were talking, I wanted to get your thoughts because we were talking a little bit off mic about the term millennial Mm -hmm. and kind of how that came about. And so what what does it mean? Is the term millennial meaningful to you in any way? Or is it just kind of like a made up thing? Truly, I honestly haven't not like heard of the word but I haven't been referred to millennial until like recently I feel like ever since it's very zeitgeisty now I feel yeah I feel like ever since the last ever since I guess Trump was running now we're all like the millennial snowflakes right and I'm just like why are you putting a negative connotation if we're the millennials we're millennials like but I honestly have it truly does not mean anything Mm -hmm. to me you know, I yeah. just, I've never right. lived my life based on that word. Yeah. Or I was no, never I mean, aware that I was a millennial until recently. I yeah. was like, okay. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's just like one of those names or whatever. Right. It's but, like, it's a way to like bucket people. Exactly. Like, or, based on when you were born or whatever. Exactly. But um, I, the, the thing is like, I feel like a lot of, the only thing is that when people say millennials, like, sometimes they're just... It, it's kind of like... I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's, like, a little condescending. Yeah. It's like they, they don't... They think we don't know what we're doing. Right. Well, you know, that's or they part think of... that we're, like, you know, the generation that's, like... May, maybe we are a little spoiled by mm-hmm. our parents, but I feel like there, there's just a negative connotation. Yeah. I don't no, like No, there that. totally is. And that's part of what we're trying to do with this podcast is interview, you know, everyday millennials that, you know, are doing th- positive things in the world who are contributing members of society who, you know, mm-hmm. we've interviewed people who, like, are unemployed and live with their parents, too. Like, that's mm-hmm. obviously a reality for a lot of people of our generation, but we're really trying to put, like, a positive mm-hmm. face to the generation and mm-hmm. show that we're not just one blanket group. There's a lot of diverse perspectives and mm-hmm. a lot of backgrounds and people doing different things. So um, I think there is a need there, and it's interesting. I don't know if it's because now, like, millennials are starting – because, like, millennials are people born between 1980 and 2000. Mm-hmm. So now everyone, all millennials are either in their 20s. Most of them are in their 30s now. So mm-hmm. they're kind of, like, rising to power within society. And now you're starting to get a little bit more, you know, articles and stuff written about the next generation, which I've heard them refer to as iGen. Oh, yeah. I don't know where that's coming from. Um, but they're now starting to get a lot of the hate so to speak from millennials because now millennials are moving into the more like mature phase of life totally and I feel like a lot of the criticisms of you know the entitlement and the way we were raised and stuff it's I feel like it's it's just criticism of young people in general but I wasn't I wasn't raised with a lot of technology Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you were but I was. No, never... I mean, I got I got a smartphone when I went to high, or uh, college. Like when I went away to college, I got an iPhone. Right. I got my first iPhone when I was. Oh, yeah. Bef- right before I went yeah. to college. But you see kids now on the subway mm-hmm. with their faces buried into yeah. their iPads, playing senseless games. Right. Or you're like, what are you doing? And you see, you see, you know kids getting mad or upset and yelling when like their mom's like no you know and yeah. taking the ipad away and then they throw a tantrum yeah and i think then, there's like an addictive quality right. and to then, it like, it's like when so so the mom is forced to hand it back mm-hmm. to the kid so it's like there to is to keep from causing a scene or whatever in public exactly so it's crazy but i don't think that's related to like m- 
being a millennial or no. like whatever. I think it's just the convenience of technology. And right. The, you know, everything is so convenient now with computers, with phones and stuff. So it's, it, if this was 30 years ago, like where the technology is as convenient as it is now, mm-hmm. it would be the same thing. Right. You know, so yeah. it would, it, it's, it's a situational right. thing. Yeah, I think that's a very Not a dispositional. Point. Yes. It's a very good point. Yeah. Very good point. Because um, we change, like, based on the environment we're in or... Yeah, totally. And there's tons of millennials who, to your point, didn't grow up with technology. There are some that did. Like, there were kids that I went to school with that got, you know, cell phones in middle school and stuff, yeah. you know. And obviously now it's even more pronounced in the current children that are in school or whatever. Um but I have tons of friends that, like, grew up in rural communities in the U.S., international people that I've met that come to the U.S., and they're like, yeah, we didn't have that. And you learn to adapt quickly to whatever your environment you're in now. Exactly. You know, like, they're not, you know, cave people or anything like that, mm-hmm. obviously. But, you know, I think a lot of it is it's technological and it's economic, too, the fact that, you know, there's not a shining light at the end of the tunnel of, like, if you work 30 years of this job, there will be a pension for you or, you know, being able to save as much because things are more expensive and the economics of things are so out of whack where like housing is so expensive, but like other things are much Mm -hmm. cheaper. It's just, it just shapes your way of life. And I feel like, you know, I'm trying to put a good face to the millennials. So yeah, thanks for being here. (laughs) Um, To get into the interview portion, I'm in I'm curious to kind of how how you decided to go to Point Park mm-hmm. and how that transition was from mm-hmm. being in Hong Kong to coming to college and living in Pittsburgh. Okay. So a lot of my life decisions have been based on the fact that I love theater and I love acting. Mm-hmm. So um it really centered around that. Uh I didn't I didn't want to go to Pittsburgh. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I really want... You were like, want... Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't... No one feels that way. Sorry, Pittsburgh. Like, it's a <laughs> Sorry, great... Pittsburgh. I have a lot of family in Pittsburgh. I love it. I interned at the Mattress Factory Museum. Oh, cool. And that was a great experience. Um, but so it's just... I, I love mean... Pittsburgh, but it's not anyone's, like, dream. Right. Or at least it's not, like, right. my... Or, I don't know, like, in Hong Kong, you hear about, like, New York, L.A. Yeah. Chicago. Right. Pittsburgh is not one of like the flagship yeah. American yes. cities that exactly. we're like exporting to the world, you know. So I went to uh, this thing called Unifieds. Mm-hmm. It's this. Uh, m- it's like a mass audition, right? Yes. Yeah. So all, not all, most of the schools, you know, end up at this location and you go into different rooms to audition for the school. So uh, Point Park was one of my like best auditions and you know I felt super comfortable with Mm -hmm. uh whoever was in there and it was Ziva who was the head of musical theater and Sheila who was the chair of Point Park she just recently stepped down uh but I don't know like I just had a good feeling about the school so whenever they gave me my acceptance letter I was like yeah you got good vibes from them and stuff totally that's great um so from there from then on I just moved to Pittsburgh to go to the conservatory yeah. for my BFA. Um, I don't know. Pittsburgh didn't excite me. You know, being from Hong Kong, like it's Hong Kong is yeah. a very clean. It's very New cosmopolitan. York. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very international, uh, and it's just there. There's just a lot to do 
even if you're doing nothing. It's, yeah. It's exactly like New York in a way. Um, so to me, Pittsburgh was like very dead. And I guess it comes from the fact that it it's very industrial too. It's a very industrial vibe. Right. Um, it's just not my, it's just not my city. Mm-hmm. But I had fun studying there for sure because yeah. if, I don't know, like. I feel like you spend so much time in school yes. in a BFA program. You don't have a lot right. of time even to just explore anything yeah Yeah. um i I mean there are cute areas in pittsburgh like shady side or Mm -hmm. um you know we point park was downtown so Mm -hmm. uh we hung out there a lot everything was super convenient too right um yeah but i i'm glad you know what i'm really glad that i studied in pittsburgh because if i went to like nyu for example like i feel like i would be really distracted with all the auditions that are like happening especially as an actress like when you first get to school you're really hungry yeah and you just you're you're just hungry for opportunities and that it's a good thing it's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing at all but it's just you have to have that yeah but it's just if you want to focus on your training and getting better as an actress first you can't be doing all these other things like uh I don't know, auditioning, like, and skipping class to do things, or, mm-hmm. like, working these other jobs to yeah. earn money to pay for your rent or whatever, so... Right. That's yeah, totally so that's, true. I had friends that did BFA programs at NYU, and it's, like, And a lot of them a drop scene. out because they book something right. significant, and they are like, bye. Yeah. And which I totally understand, and I totally mm-hmm. support, um, but it's but just... It's just different. It's just different. Yeah. It's cool. So, what... What's been a role of yours either in college or before or since then? I know you've been doing the Saigon, so maybe mm-hmm. it's that since then. Um, but a role that you've been most proud of or the one that you most enjoyed? The one that I most enjoyed. Does Miss Saigon count mm-hmm. or no? I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like Miss Saigon has to be... Yeah. You know, so what a, is your role in Miss Saigon? So I'm a swing. So for those Does who don't mean, know. I always hear that word and I'm like, oh. <laughs> A swing is uh, an ensemble member who does not perform every night on stage but covers Okay. Uh, all the girls or boys depending mm-hmm. on your gender. So I cover the nine girls in the okay. show. Wow. So That's a lot. So you have to know all I have parts. to know all of them. That's intense. It's, it's, a, it's a very hard job. Mm-hmm. And as everyone says, it's the hardest job on Broadway mm-hmm. or in any company or show just because it's it takes a very specific person to be a swing yeah uh, I've learned through this whole process uh the importance of a swing and you know appreciating a fellow swing member Mm -hmm. you know because you need the support right so yeah uh, I mean I would say I would say you know my all my roles that I've gone on for in Miss Saigon have been like I've been very proud of Mm -hmm. uh just because it's been such a huge learning experience for me uh especially as like a girl who dreamed of being on broadway like a few years ago and i didn't know that like i could you know what's it been like just the broadway sort of like flashiness is it it, honestly, do you still kind of pinch yourself or is it like I, I this is a job? <laughs> I definitely pinch myself every night at bows yeah, or whenever I go on and mm-hmm. bow. It, it's it's a dream job and, you know, it's nice to have a steady paycheck for a little while. Right. You know, until we close in January. So come and see our show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to see it. It's like right around the corner. For right. Me, you so should totally come. see it. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome. I think 
for me why it's been so why I've been so proud of myself if I'm allowed to say that yeah, like not in absolutely. like a snobby way or no, anything. No I think that's something that millennials and women don't do enough is you know in a Take respectful credit way for what yeah you know being like I'm doing good work yes. I'm proud of myself I think that's great. Yeah and I mean I've been working my butt off mm-hmm. oh my gosh. I know during- even today like you were texting me and you were like I'm having <sighs> friends in town I'm doing like I can't imagine I like sit at a desk all day as my job and like I did you know not anything compared to like what you guys are doing but I did like musical theater in high school and I'm like we would do like three shows and that's it and I would be like dead for a month I'd be like, <laughs> I need a vacation like it takes stamina for sure yeah and I mean I'm, I'm sure you've been doing it so long you have worked yourself up to that level but being a swing is different though because I mean ever since the contract started I've been saying I'm exhausted I'm exhausted mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good exhaustion for yeah. sure it's like busy it's like yeah you kind of keep the energy up and- but it's a different type of exhaustion because sometimes we cover not only one track in a show but sometimes more than one yeah. person or eight people are so out just and there on are stage only five the swings <laughs> and only swings are allowed to cover the yeah. people who are missing so we have to split the roles and like you know decide on which role is more important for a scene so then you can cut another oh, part so interesting. sometimes like I would enter as person A with person A's props and then in the middle switch to person B oh. in her spot and stand there and then switch to person C because she's doing something else now yeah so it's crazy it's, you know being wow. on edge all the time that's exhausting yeah but uh, I've been really proud of myself because being a swing has taught me to forgive myself mm-hmm. and I am an extreme perfectionist when I say extreme yeah. I really mean extreme um and like I give me an example just like with your work of like I have a hard just t- trying to get I have a like, hard time making a mistake a single yeah. mistake you know sometimes uh like giving yourself the grace to be like exactly to to yeah to accept that I am human mm-hmm. and that we are not perfect at all or we can never be perfect you know it's unobtainable right <laughs> um but for the first month and a half, if I mess up a small dance move, oh, you bet I'm going to be crying in my dressing room after the show. And that was my first one and a half months yeah. of Miss Saigon was beating myself up for the tiniest mistakes that no one even noticed. Right. But I, to me, it was like the end of the world. Like I ruined yeah. the show, you know, or sometimes if I'm... If I forget something and I'm in the wrong place, I'm like, oh, crap. Like, yeah. And then I, like, my whole show is ruined because of that. Mm-hmm. So I have learned over the, how many months? What is it now? Ten like months, maybe? Ten months, yeah. nine months to really just, like, take it easy and yeah. just allow myself for to make mistakes. Right. Because I think that's normal. a good lesson for yeah. everyone, you it's know. It's part of the growing experience, and from that I've really grown a lot. Yeah. And just, you know, as long as you're trying your best. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what has been the most surprising thing about working in theater in a professional capacity versus when you were in the conservatory sort of more learning environment? Um, Is it like a similar structure or you see, because I know a lot of people in show business, so to speak, they're Mm -hmm. like, you know, you go to Hollywood, you see how the sausage is made or whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel like New York theater isn't so much like that, Mm -hmm. but... I want to get your perspective on it. That it depends aspect. on, I think, the director and like mm-hmm. how the creative process is built upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing about this process really surprised me. Um, if anything, just like the table work and the research 
was more prevalent. What's the table work? Uh, so it's for like research for the show. Our non-theater listeners. So yeah. uh, it, it's like it's like uh, research for the show. Yeah. Like, for example, Miss Saigon's about the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we sat around for the first few days, like, watching documentaries to oh, really that's cool. to gain a better understanding of what that's happened awesome. at the time and creating the world of the play. And, like, for example, in Spelling Bee, when, which is a show I did in college. I love Spelling Bee. It's I one of my Spelling favorite Bee musicals. Too. And that was, that. that's probably, like, my top yeah. second you were role. Barcy. I was yeah. Barcy. Oh, uh, I and that. I just, it's a great role. I embodied so much of that character and it was just so like, it was so Vivica. Yeah. So I just felt I know. So that's how I feel about our mutual friend, David, yes. like Barfy. That's like, totally. it's him. It's David. Yeah. Totally. It's great. Um, So in Spelling Bee, we would start the rehearsal by doing real life spelling Things. Oh, that's fun. So our director would be like, okay, spell this. And obviously we and like, were not spelling champs, no. so we sucked. Um, <laughs> but you have to be it, able to embody yeah, like the characters exactly. that want so this so badly. So it's just, you know, building the world of the play and whatnot mm-hmm. to, you know, gain a better understanding of your character and the people around you and uh, how you would react and act to certain situations. That's great. So, yeah. Have you... Going back to like the Saigon specifically, have you, did you learn anything about Vietnam or about the Vietnam War that surprised you like through doing that research? Um, well, I didn't take history at all in when I was in Hong Kong. Oh, they don't uh, require it in school? So I took history until I was year nine, which is I think your eighth grade. Okay. And then we switched. Like middle school kind of age? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then we switched to a program called GCSEs which doesn't matter now but then for high school the last two years we did the IB the International Baccalaureate program Mm -hmm. oh my god that was the hardest thing I've probably ever done in my life um so the way it is is that you choose an x amount of subjects to do like you can't do everything categories so like for example I did music for my arts mm-hmm. and then I did you have to pick a science you have to pick a humanity blah blah blah, blah. so for GCSEs I picked geography and okay. for IB I picked psychology oh cool so because of that I didn't really get to learn about history at all yeah. and the, the what the kind of history that we learned about was not too much about like wars or anything yeah. so you know to me it was kind of just like learning the specifics of like what really happened mm-hmm. like the day right like Da Nang fell or whatever mm-hmm. you know so to me it was just like going to history class again yeah and just learning that's interesting it. yeah yeah I think that's great that the show especially because it was written so many years ago that you know this new sort of revival of it they've taken the time to really try to make sure that everyone understands that history it's really totally great. and they and this revival is different from the original like everyone says it's i've grittier. heard it's dope i know people that have seen it and they were like <laughs> it's great i mean i'm i'm very I, I feel like revivals like i think they're great because i'm a theater nerd i'll go see anything mm-hmm. but you know a lot of people have the impression they're like oh there's so much great new work on broadway like revivals they can be stuffy and you know mm-hmm. why do i need to go see that but i've heard miss saigon is like very cool it uh, as a show itself, I, I think it's a good show. Mm-hmm. It's a good show because it draws... Just because it, it, it was set in the time right. of when the war was happening. Mm-hmm. But truly, it's a fictional story. Yeah. You know, it's it's a, it's a this really strong love story. And mm-hmm. not even between the girl and the boy. But there's even a deeper matter. Yeah. It's, it's 
it's just so... You have the drama, you have exactly. the romance. And yes, and there's, like, comedic aspects mm-hmm. of it because we have a comedic relief as one of the right. characters. So for our show is... Our show is definitely grittier. It has a modern approach to it. Um, and it's just, you can draw a lot of, you know, parallels to what's yeah. happening in the world right now to our show. I know. So It's crazy. We actually had someone, I don't know if you've um, watched any of the Ken Burns documentary that just came out about Vietnam. Oh, I heard about that. I didn't It's like 18 it hours long. I've watched like a half hour of it so far. Oh, this might be our food. We're going to pop. All right. We're recording again. Fun, fun. All right, so we were talking about Miss Saigon mm-hmm. as a show, mm-hmm. um, but off mic, we were talking about Vietnam and travel and stuff like that. Um, so outside of New York and Hong Kong, obviously, because those are in Pittsburgh, um, what's been like a cool place that you've visited that you would recommend to other people? Um, I've been to a lot of places. I've been to 13 countries, I think. Um, just because it's a norm to travel when you're a Hong Konger. So, uh, I would say Cambodia was such a wonderful experience for me. Um, I've been to Cambodia once and it was like a service trip with my high school. Um, so apart from like, you know, going through Angkor Wat, I also like taught kids and those kids like really changed my life and you know the way yeah. I looked at things and it's just so different it's a different experience and to experience that firsthand was really special and something that I will cherish for the rest of my life um but I would say Thailand probably because I don't know there's everything in Thailand it's beautiful oh, it, you can that. go to the beach it's a city uh the food is phenomenal Mm -hmm. um the shopping is amazing (laughs) the massages are amazing so Uh, yes yeah so thailand would be like massage of my life in vietnam yeah it was a thai massage yeah and i it was life-changing i still think about it i'm like i've never felt better as a human being totally the best yeah so i would say thailand you know there's different parts of thailand that you can explore like bangkok is different to phuket and phuket's Mm -hmm. different to krabi or krabi is different to chiang mai so you can do different things and make a trip out of it but i would say i would say thailand is my top choice and i went to japan like i want to say two years ago for the first time and that was fun too it's just a different experience you Mm -hmm. know it's very japan is everything you would expect it's like its own exactly it's very like high tech it's very uh everyone's like fashionable and i feel like if i go there i would have to go for like a month because i want to like do all the outdoorsy stuff Mm -hmm. i'm very into like hiking and stuff like that and then you have to go to onsens and like because it's a i want to experience like the cultural stuff but also like the city totally and it's all just so different like we stayed we went for like a week and a half and i think we stayed in two different hotels and one was like right up this like mountain like in this like close to this onsen that we went to Mm -hmm. um opposite mount fuji and that was our view so pretty and then the other one was like in the city that's awesome that's very cool yeah coming from hong kong and you can tell me if you don't want to talk about this but being not an american citizen Mm -hmm. how has that changed like the job opportunities that you have or kind of how you look at you know your next opportunity after miss saigon Mm -hmm. closes and is that something that you have to actively think about all the time or is it kind of like when you're looking for new jobs or how does that work so i feel like as an international it's 
it's really not as difficult as you think it is unless you're an actor I feel like specifically for actors because there's equity and I love equity and everything mm-hmm. they stand for it, it makes the it union yeah, the union, actors, yeah. yes it makes it very difficult for non-american citizens to oh, join really? the union just oh. because you know it's a federal union so yeah. I, I totally understand mm-hmm. I totally understand like they want to protect their members and stuff so it, it's really it's really hard to pitch in like your case sometimes and luckily everything with mine worked out um but yeah it was definitely something that was on my mind for a very long time when i was a senior in high school not high school jesus (laughs) in college um but you know like just for me it was more like just let life pan out you yeah know, you like can't, let it happen you can go to like i went to a lawyer you know you can do all these things but if eventually it's like what's meant to be will yeah. be so so are you able to join yes the union yeah now? to be on yeah. broadway you have to be an mm-hmm. equity member yes right so that's great yeah everything worked out so looking forward to like the next thing after miss saigon what would be your kind of dream thing to do are you looking um, to take time I, off or go no, back to broadway or um, I would love to, I think I want to travel for a little bit because I haven't traveled in a year and a bit now, like truly travel and like by traveling, I don't mean like going back home. Yeah. Cause I you mean, guys don't really get, yeah, we don't off, really get time do off. So I want to do like a short trip to somewhere and then, I mean, I just want to keep working and that's my mm-hmm. main goal. And I would love to be in a Hollywood movie at some point or a TV show and do Fine. like kind of like, you know. Uh, branch out into that aspect uh of work and commercials and print and stuff because i like enjoy doing that too yeah but whatever comes i'm not picky what is your favorite aspect of being on broadway are you more of an actress more of a singer i'm a a singer actress who moves very well but yeah uh, yeah i'm also excited to just get my butt back into class yeah i love learning you Mm -hmm. know um so being being in the saigon has kind of been sort of like a restriction on my schedule just because like sometimes a lot of classes are like at night from like six to nine so i guess that makes sense for people that like right totally and like they have like day jobs and like but it's been a difficult thing for me to try and like get into the right classes and stuff and our day offs are thursdays yeah random so it's like okay what can i do on a thursday weird it used to be a sunday but yeah just switched it up to a thursday because of like the winter schedule or something Uh, i have no idea But, yeah, I just, I want to take more classes. I just want to whip my butt back into shape. Uh, You know, like, being on Broadway has its perks and stuff. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you find yourself being lazy because... Because you're like, I have this job. Exactly. But as I said, it's like a situational thing. You know, it's like, sometimes you just kind of, you're lazy because you can be, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't, you you should stop growing. Absolutely. No, totally. Yeah. Lifelong so, learning is important. Exactly. How do you find these opportunities? Do you have, like, I have an, an agent? agent. Yeah, yeah, I have an agent, but I also am very uh, OCD about auditions, and I look... To search Yeah, I and look stuff. and search yeah. for stuff, and I come up with a lot of things, like myself, and I do, like, a lot of self-submitting. So, mm-hmm. you know, to 
I feel like you have to be proactive as right. an actress and like sometimes you have to be the biggest agent for you. Yeah, you know, totally. You can't, no one's going to be Exactly. Your like you can't always rely on someone else's help mm-hmm. because in the end there was really only you and you're like your biggest investor/marketer. Yeah. So totally. What would be your biggest piece of advice for a young person trying to f- follow in your footsteps of being in musical theater professionally? Um, I would say, you know, take classes, a lot of classes, and, you know, improve on your weaknesses. And uh, don't be discouraged if you have weaknesses. That's something I really struggled with. Like, I've always grown up, uh, I grew up being, like, a legit soprano. Um, and I didn't learn to embrace that until, like, college and what do you mean by that? Like, what did you not embrace about it? You were trying to uh, sing Well, in a I was range, trying... Or? So, you know, sometimes, like, naturally you can belt to, like, a very high note. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you sometimes just naturally can do that without breaking your voice box. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, like, hurting your voice right. in any way. But for me, like, I can belt, but it's, like, it's not to, like, the standard that I've always wanted. Like, it's... You know, I used to, like, really, really, really just want to be a belter Mm -hmm. like I was like oh I have this soprano and like I just don't I didn't appreciate my you know but that but that is my gift you didn't appreciate what you do have exactly so but that was my strength and that is my gift like to this day and it's probably what helped me book Miss Saigon is because Mm -hmm. I embraced that gift in the audition room and they were like do you have a soprano I was like oh yes I do and like I was like really excited about it but I think it's really important to know your strengths and weaknesses and just you know keep working on your strengths but like work even harder on your weaknesses it's important to just balance it out and you know just I mean it's the cliche believe in yourself but yeah no one's gonna be your biggest fan but yeah and and like don't be scared I guess to do things that scare you because like every opportunity you don't take like it's I'm sure it was very scary like moving did you move to New York before you booked Miss Saigon or did you move here because of that Uh, I no, I actually moved after but I already planned to move to New York in September so it was kind of like a it's kind of a miracle that (laughs) uh, I booked that right before and you know knowing that I had something to look forward to and Mm -hmm. go to um so yeah, it's a, it's it's been a, a great blessing, and I'm just so happy to be where I am right now. But I have a lot of milestones to go. Yeah, to there's always on. it's always good to <laughs> not get complacent and always have totally. something to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, because you know life is so boring without yeah exciting journeys and adventures, and you can't just settle. Right. And I guess just don't settle. That's my other advice. It's like keep reaching for the stars and like don't be bored Mm -hmm. if you're bored with something change it yeah you know you you are the person who's in control so yeah absolutely I think that's great advice um so to close we have some rapid fire questions that we like to ask great our guests Mm -hmm. um so just don't think about it too much just things thinker though (laughs) I know well if it sparks more conversation we can always talk about it um but just things to kind of place you on the millennial spectrum and to give our listeners more of an idea of who you are and what you like and stuff. Mm-hmm. So favorite book? I don't really read. Oh, favorite childhood book? No, none. Uh, childhood book? Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> like one that you really this, liked in school or something? There's this book called There's a Boy in the Girl's Bathroom that Ooh. I really liked. Uh, but honestly, Is it like a humorous book? Like it's a, a humorous, book? it's a humorous like fiction book, yeah. but... I, so the reason I don't read 
is because I have, I don't know if I've never like been to the doctor or whatever to get this diagnosed or anything, but I think I, uh, I borderline on OCD. So mm-hmm. like when I read, I have to like keep rereading the same sentence. Oh and, yeah. And, like, so it becomes very cumbersome. Yeah. So that to me, like it, it just gives me so much anxiety because yeah. it, it's something that I can't really control. Like mm-hmm. even with texting, sometimes I have to reread like the sentence and sometimes I read it out loud to myself to make sure that I'm not missing anything and you know yeah. so that to me was just getting a little like grueling yeah. but I have a lot of like books at home that are just sitting there and I've been trying to slowly get through uh audiobooks could be good audiobooks could, could be, be good. good yeah good solution. um uh I've been slowly getting through the year of yes by Shonda oh. Rhimes um love her yeah love I've heard her. great things about that book yes so I mean it's been it's been fun so yeah. far uh but I've never been like a bookworm yeah. or anything. That's fair. So. That's fair. Uh, favorite Broadway musical? Um, I would have to say Wicked, just because uh, I really want to be in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shout out to anyone that's listening to Wicked. <laughs> yeah, I've always said that I really want to be uh, the first ethnic or one of the ethnic Glindas or first Asian Glinda. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like they don't really cast any few, like person of color yeah. in that role, and it's just. I think there's I no reason so why they can't. Right, totally. Yeah. It's a fictional place. Right. Like, Oz is not real. So, like, I mean, the people have green hair. So it's like, yeah. why can't you cast someone like, else? But guess, Not to get too off topic here while we're yeah. doing our rapid fire questions. <laughs> are evidently not too rapid fire. But um, I'm interested in this just because I'm not in the industry at all. Mm-hmm. But I feel like from an outsider's perspective, like, there's all this talk in the industry, so mm-hmm. to speak, of, like, Hollywood, show business, whatever, of, like, you know, we need more diverse writers and people creating totally. characters for diverse actors, but I feel like people don't talk about the roles that exist mm-hmm. that are not specified, that yes. you could cast anyone. Of course, and you I think I mean? people are just so set on their ways, and, you know, just because, like, this per- person Especially on played, Broadway, it's, yeah. like, just D- because the first Person woman, was this skin yeah. color, like, they want to, like... Uh, continue to hire yeah. people of the same race yeah, to me or whatever. It's just like you're not thinking outside the box or being creative. Yeah, but I think I think the bottom line is no matter how much people argue, I think as long as the play is not about uh, a specific race, right, or like where the race or doesn't it's like matter, like a historical then, story or something. Exactly. Yeah. Then it doesn't matter what you do with it. Like, for example, like what we were talking about Wicked mm-hmm. like Wicked is definitely one of them like you can yeah. put anyone in that show because it's not real yeah <laughs> like but Miss Saigon like obviously you know it's about yeah, it's a girl different. that falls in love with uh, an American soldier so the girl has to kind of be you yeah. know uh, Vietnamese or Asian or anything mm-hmm. to to like forward the plot right or else it doesn't make sense if you have like a or it's Caucasian to the audience. <laughs> you don't want the audience who might not know exactly coming in they're like oh this is about Vietnam and you have totally you know, yeah, so a white it, lady playing it, it's like right, and it's just like confused. it doesn't make sense. Right. But no, but I think that's a good point you yeah. bring up because I've found myself, especially in this day and age, where you know, obviously, it's great. Like we want more diverse writing in terms of op- specific opportunities, mm-hmm. but Broadway, especially because there's so much, so many revivals and so many, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and I repeat mean, performances all over the country of these Broadway shows, and it's like. Just because, like, I think about, like, Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. Like, that's Yeah, so anyone can popular. be in that because right. high school is so diverse. Right. There's no reason why Evan 
could not right. be a different race, right. you know? But, I mean, and I, I think like their class really is also that. pretty diverse. I mean, yeah, you see the percentages. You see the percentages, an example, and it, most but, of them are white right. actors, too. Mm-hmm. But they do a good job. Well, just like, as an example, I feel like with Broadway, once you see, like, the original cast, you're totally. like, that's what it has to be. And it's like, Right, yeah, but it doesn't. Not because, really. Sometimes. Yeah. Like, why Why does a person's skin color have anything to do with their ability to yeah. be able to sing a role or act a role? Right. You know, like, why Why do we have to put that box yeah. around the person? So mm-hmm. I just think it's so, like, unfair, you know, yeah. to limit yeah. other... And it's just very arbitrary. Yeah, I totally. Agree. So I look forward to seeing you in <laughs> I'll put the vibes out there. Yay! Or just anyone in Wicked, because I love the show. I know. It's great. I haven't seen it in years, but yeah. it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, favorite movie? Ah, uh, favorite movie? Finding Nemo. <laughs> oh, classic! I, I still have to see Finding Nemo. Dory. I haven't seen it. Finding Dory is good, but, you know, the you can't, you can't beat Nemo. Like, yeah. yeah. I amazing. also love Big Hero 6. I love Pixar yeah. films. I think mm-hmm. they're really... They're really well done. And they're very deep. Mm-hmm. I think depth is really important yeah. to any movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. It's great. Um, favorite TV show? Ooh, Game of Thrones. Oh. Yeah. I am not ca- I'm not caught up um, because... I won't spoil anything I for you. I used to watch... Well, I, like, I keep up with, like, the zeitgeist of, like, what's uh-huh. happening, but I'm on, like, season five, uh-huh. and... Shay and I used to watch it together when we lived together, and now obviously she's gone, so we have to like rethink that. Yeah. Um, oh, it's who's so your favorite good, Game of Thrones character or like storyline? Are you like a Jon Snow mm, person? No. 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 I. Either. I think he's overrated. He is overrated, but like he has to be the someone has to be the good guy right. that everybody likes. I'm not like. Um, I don't really Snow. have a favorite character. I find Cersei really interesting, yeah. I like and I think her she's evolution. and she's an phenomenal actress Mm -hmm. uh i also i like khaleesi but i hear in the later seasons but she's also kind of overrated if you're gonna say Jon snow is overrated you know know. what i mean like she is fierce as i just really like the yeah i like the first couple seasons when she was like on the rise and she stands for like everything you know that we need like Mm -hmm. you know feminism and like strength as a woman and you know leadership so she's a great role model uh i just i don't know i just hmm. i liked Arya for a while and then she got kind of annoying for me but I, I don't know. I just love yeah. the it's a story. Show. It's yes, great. I like the plots and the intricacy between like Jamie and Cersei, and yeah. I, I I love Jamie. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah, it's a great show. Well, I think that's a nice note to end on. Positive <laughs> Game of Thrones. Uh, where can our listeners find you? And also, oh, I wanted to ask you about your blog oh, slash yes. Instagramming. What is what is so the blog just, and the Instagram about? I, I'm kind of a social media junkie. Uh, if you look on my Instagram, which is at Vivica Chow, which is my yeah. name. I'm going to follow uh, you. <laughs> um, it's very, like, I, I l- really like aesthetics and playing around with aesthetics mm-hmm. and, you know, colors and stuff. Uh, so I do a lot of, like, or I try to at least do a lot of, like, um, uh, skincare stuff or just, like, life things more like a lifestyle blogger it's something that i've i'm really enjoying currently yeah and i love to eat so i'm a huge foodie and you can always like find food on my instagram and like the coffee shops are my thing too uh and i my blog is vivace with three a's so it's like v-i-v-a-a-a-c-e.com 
um, which is basically Vivica in Italian, but oh, cool. just with three A's because I'm that. really basic. Awesome. <laughs> but but yeah, so that's that's cool. kind of what I do. Sweet. So people can find you at Vivica Chow. Yeah, totally. And I am very active. So. Sweet. Awesome. Yay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank this you for awesome. having me. It was so fun. Yay. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber, and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adult.